An indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. So many rats, Donald. They're everywhere. So many people turning on you after all you've done for them. Stabbed you in the back. So many people lying to your face and making deals with Jack Smith. Everyone. Benny Willis, Alvin Bragg. Using you. You made them all so much money. So generous. Made their careers. You gave them their dreams. Now they're after you. They took yours. Cooperating with Jack Smith. They never cared. It's hard to know who to trust. Snitches. They're all watching. You can't trust anyone. Listening. Even your family. Recording you. Everything you say. Spying on you. Everywhere you go. It's bad, Donald. All the time. It's just you. Betraying you. And the rats. Horrible jump ship. So many. It's just you. Rats. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the Truth and Democracy Coalition monthly meeting. My name is Rich Proceda. I'm the founder of the Truth and Democracy Coalition and the host of the Truth and Democracy podcast. Today, we have Dr. Susan Neiman with us who will talk about the difference about being woke versus being left. But first, before we start, I want to tell you a little about the Truth and Democracy Coalition and about our upcoming events. So the Truth and Democracy Coalition was formed to build a pro-democracy movement in America. We educate the public about disinformation, teach people to be critical of the propaganda they consume, and provide critical analysis of current events and social issues. We produce media and educational materials, hold seminars and meetings, work with other organizations, and organize events and activity geared toward building a pro-democracy movement in America. The coalition seeks to build communities of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. Then on June 4th, we will start our monthly Red Pill Men's Group. So to register for that, this nonpartisan men's support group, go to tinyurl.com slash redpillmen. Then on July 16th at 2 p.m., we will have the first, our first January 6th Remembrance Event Planning Committee meeting. We're planning our annual event to remember the attempted coup and insurrection against the United States Congress. It is important to remember what happened and not let the horrendous actions of then President Donald Trump and his extremist followers to attempt to overthrow our government and install Trump as dictator for life. In order to resist authoritarianism in America, we need to keep the events of January 6, 2021 at the forefront of people's mind as we head into the 2024 elections with Donald Trump still the front runner for the Republican nomination. So we're going to be organizing this event in Whittier, and we're going to help other people organize events in their hometowns. So join us on July 16th at 2 p.m. by registering at tinyurl.com slash jan6th, that's a 6th, 2024. And then finally, make sure to check out our YouTube page and to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash at, and that's the at symbol, 
Truth and Democracy Coalition. So now let's turn to our discussion with Dr. Neiman. Dr. Neiman is a Harvard-educated American moral philosopher, cultural commentator, and essayist. Um, she has written extensively on the juncture between enlightenment, moral philosophy, metaphysics, and politics, both, both for scholarly audiences and the general public. She describes herself as a lifelong leftist and socialist and is an unlikely critic of wokeism. She argues that the tenets of the woke have become anti-theoretical to the traditional values of the left. Welcome, Dr. Neiman. I'm glad to be here. Let's go to um, Linda May, next up in the queue here. Hi, thank you. And uh, I just got to notice that my battery's running low, so I'll try to be quick. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, it's very stimulating, very interesting. I uh, was proud to be woke back before when woke was early on when it meant aware. I, I woke up. I am aware now of what's going on in the world, and I'm a little more skeptical, et cetera. And now I think of woke as being um, an exclusionary term. Uh, if somebody's it's it's used to define people as being on the in crowd or not, like you're woke. You know, you know more than I know. Or anyway, it's it's used as a uh, power thing almost to me. Um, I have concerns about it's just boils for me. It boils down to prejudice, and in the in this literal term, prejudging people. Um, it, people are. Uh, I, I was I've been part of an LGBT group that the white males took over <laughs> and this was found mostly by lesbians and 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 now there are no lesbians on the board and um they i, I challenged them in the direction they were going for a while and then finally i was told and i was told in these exact words i was told that's just what you think and it dawned on me i mean first of all it's just so dismissive but it dawned on me that's that's really sort of the root of 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 prejudice. It's like, well, yes, that is what I think, and what I think is as important as what you think. And just because I'm the one voice here that's saying this doesn't mean I'm not correct. And to me, that, that it boils down to people being a, able to be aware of their own bias. And these guys, wonderful guys, many of them are people of color, are not aware of their own bias. They refuse to be aware of their bias almost. And that's that's very bothersome to me. So I agree with you. And actually, when the word woke um, first, I mean, when I first heard, began to hear a lot of it, I actually thought it was a great word. And this is 2018. Yeah. You know, um, before the kind of analogy, in fact, I was talking to a colleague of mine, a woman of color, um, and we said, oh, it's got the, we've got a good, you know, this good word. It's got the right, you know, it's sexy. It's, you know, got power. Let's, you know, this is a good example of, you know, the, the kind of language we need. Um, it's hard to say what would have happened if, you know, the right hadn't turned it into a curse, but certainly being self-aware of our own biases is, uh, you know, something that's important for everybody to do, if that's all we're aware of. I mean, I again, the, you know, 
person to think about is uh, Robin D'Angelo, though I don't really advise adding to her uh, you know, gigantic income by buying her book. You can certainly get most of the points off the web and you should probably read John McWhorter's um, uh, you know, review of it. Um, you know, that I'm sure you can get for free. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, being being woke, being aware is a good thing. But let's 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 stretch our awareness a little bit and get away from some of the ideologies that right now in many circles seem unquestionable. Thank you, um, um, Linda May. Let's um, let's see here. Let's go ahead and go up next to um, Tanya Price. I'm coming from the viewpoint of anthropology. I'm an anthrop uh, former anthropology and African-American studies professor. And um, my perception of being woke um, as it was used and is used in the community is just someone who is socially aware and enlightened and doesn't have a lot of these kind of intellectual underpinnings. Um, so I think we need to be careful not to over intellectualize the concept of woke, even though there, you know, there are different um, ideologies within it, you know, you can uh, deconstruct it in different ways. But to me, the way it was used in the community originally just meant somebody who is aware of what's going on, who's enlightened, and who's down for the people and for liberation. So the way I interpret it is, is universalist, much like um, is being uh, talked about in, in the uh, book. And I would like to take a look at the book. It sounds very interesting. Um, but you're going to find a range, you know, among African-Americans, um, activists, and the, the degree to which they let other voices be part of the movement. And that's because of a long, people need to, I, I think a lot of times when white people join in the struggle, there's this kind of hypersensitivity, you know, this really hypersensitivity. And being that all that Black people have been through and for so many generations and hundreds of years and all the trauma and all the backlash and the fact that a lot of us die early just because of all the stress. I've seen so many anthropology and Black studies professors that have been dumped on so continuously and they die within by the time they're 70. You know, so we've just been through so much. Let's cut us some slack. <laughs> Please just cut some slack. And I would like to work together. You know, I, I think that we can and we should work together and it should be more of a universalist movement. And I think Black Lives Matter was a beautiful moment. And I just kept pinching myself and asking myself, is this real? Are white folks gonna stick with it? Or is it gonna be the flavor of the month? And are they gonna be gone just as soon as the right demonizes it? Because if you're in the struggle, you, you know it's gonna be demonized. It's just a matter of time, there's gonna be a backlash it was just a greater backlash than anybody imagined than a lot of people imagined, but there's going to be a backlash. So it's like, you got to stick with it. You can't be too um, afraid about black people's biases because we're going to have biases. We're human. You know, anybody has biases and we've been through so much. You're definitely going to have biases. So that's, that, that's my two cents. Thank you. Well, thank you for that. I mean, and I hope you didn't think I wasn't cutting any slack. Um, no, no, no. I, I didn't think that. I, I saw some some of the um, comments I was hearing, and I some didn't of have what it, I yeah. see. 
Because honestly, um, the voices, so first of all, I live in uh, Berlin, uh, where the number of people of color is really quite small. And the people who are most concerned to be woke, um, you know, are white Germans, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's often, and and I, you know, I see this going on in, in some trends in the United States. It is often, um, you know, the, the loudest and most dogmatic uh, people are uh, tend not to be people of color, at least in my, yeah, I, some, but in, in my experience, um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of dogmatic white people trying to, you know, make up for things. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, and I agree with you that woke started out as a fine term, but I have seen it become something uh, and I, I think all of us have seen it, most of us, seen it um, become something dogmatic, um, absolutist, authoritarian. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing about when you said don't don't intellectualize too much, I know what you mean. And I've had a few people um, say, what, do you think you know, Black Lives Matter activists are spending all their time reading Foucault and Schmidt? No, I don't think that at all. Although mm-hmm. the people in the university, are. And if they go to college, they will have gotten some of it. I mean, this goes back to the postmodernist question. That's what they will have learned. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, there, there are books that used to be taken as classics that are just not being read anymore because somebody decided that they were racist when they're not. Um, so, you know, these are all assumptions that people are not really aware that they've, you know, been swimming around in. Um, And I'm just trying to bring that out. And, you know, instead of, you know, getting involved in these sort of culture wars to say, let's, let's look at the ideas that you don't even know you're subscribing to, except they're in the newspaper, or you hear them on television or on some podcast, they're, they're really influencing this movement. So that's, that's all I meant. Okay. Thank you, Thank Tanya, you. so much for your contribution. Um, the, Jeffrey, um, you're up. Um, you're up. Go ahead. No, I know you mentioned about the rise of fascism, but is the way to stop to stop it is to remind the people of the crimes of what fascism did. It's done. I know I got a lot more questions, but I think of that that's probably the most important. Oh boy, you just opened up a, a can of worms that I could talk all night about, but I'm not going to um, because I'm going to run out of steam at some point. It's 1030 on my end. Um, look, um, I don't think that the way most Holocaust education has proceeded is doing us much good at all. Okay. Um, it's way too specific. Um, It often does not connect anti-Semitism with other forms of racism. In fact, it's often very much, um, you know, uh, opposed to making that, uh, to making those connections. And at a certain point, we all get desensitized to mass graves. We just do, you know. 
um, we don't have the initial shock that people, uh, you know, did in 1945. All right, we just we cannot feel that anymore. We we can't un un unthink the fact that it was done. I did. Uh, I felt it. I felt that shock when I watched the movie Jude. Well, I haven't even watched the movie Jude. Um, in fact, I don't even know about it, but I'll put it down on my my list of things to look up here. Um, like I said, I've lived in Berlin for going on 40 years. Believe me, I've seen a lot of movies and been to a lot of, I mean, I, I know I know a whole lot about the Nazis. And what I know is that the most effective people who are working in, you know, uh, historical reckoning are those who do not only point to um, suffering, but who make people think about how it came to be, all right? Because that's what we need right now. We need to think about what's going on uh, in the rest of the world, that people are moving towards these intensely nationalist, verging on fascist positions, okay? So, and that's a short answer to a good and long question. All right. Thank you so much, um, Jeffrey, for your comment. And um, thank you, Dr. Neiman, for spending this time late in the evening from Germany to speak to this group and bring your ideas to this community. I know they're going to be important for people to understand and consider. I know they are for me because of um, you heard my questions. <laughs> so, um <laughs> so I want to thank you so much. I want to thank everybody for coming. I put links in the chat. If you want to download the chat, it's um, the little three dots in the participant menu. You can download the chat. And um, that way you can get those links to upcoming events. So I look forward to seeing all of you in, in the future. And thank you, everybody. And especially thank you, Dr. Neiman. I really appreciate well, you. Well, thank you all for being here. And uh, I hope you, uh, you know, continue to think about this stuff further. All we, right? certain, we certainly will. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Bye. Dr. Neiman. You're Very welcome. Thank you all for coming. Donald Trump indicted again, this time for violating the Espionage Act, one of the worst crimes imaginable. But he joins a select list of Americans also indicted for this crime. Robert Hansen, Aldrich James, Anna Montez, John Walker, Ronald William Pelton, all indicted for violating the Espionage Act with the prison terms that traitors and spies against America deserve. And what will Trump get? The men and women running against him for president will defend him, praise him, make excuses. They'll lie about the prosecution and make up stories about the deep state to rile up the MAGA base. There's no excuse for espionage. No defense for stealing America's secrets or sharing them with anyone, ever. Trump did this to himself. He took the documents, he shared them, and conspired to cover it up. Patriots know people who commit this crime belong in prison, not the White House.